Welcome to the Telford Minster podcast. Thank you for joining us and listening along. Our vision is to make Jesus known in Telford, and we hope that your attention is grabbed by Jesus today and what he's doing in your life. We have now moved into the completed Minster space on Southwater Square in Telford, and we'd love to invite you to come along and give church a try at our 4pm gatherings every Sunday opposite Wilco's above the Novella Lounge. Enjoy the podcast. chapter 16 starting at verse 16 once when we were going to the place of prayer we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future she earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved I think she's a bit mad that's probably why she said it like that um, she kept this up for many days Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they'd been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds Then immediately, he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, release those men. The jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave. Go in peace. But Paul said to the officers, they beat us publicly without a trial, even though we're Roman citizens and threw us into prison. And now do they want to get rid of us quietly? No, let them come themselves and escort us out. The officers reported this to the magistrates. And when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. They came to appease them and escorted them from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. 
After Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. Then they left. Amazing. How are we all doing today? Doing good? There's nods, there's thumbs up. Can I just say, what a reading. And what a great person to read it as well, because you need someone. When, when there's that much drama happening in, what's, in what we're reading there in Acts, you want someone who's going to give it the voices, don't you? Did everyone enjoy that reading? Kept you on the edge of your seat? Well, my name is Harry. I'm the worship and media pastor here, which um, I actually introduced myself to someone on Friday saying, I make things sound and look pretty. Um, I find that that's often a good way to talk about it. But yes, yeah, so um, worship is something I think a lot about. I'm just going to get right in there. Um, so today we're looking at worship. Now, if you join us for the first time or you've been with us for a couple of weeks, uh, the series we're looking at at the moment is called the Toolkit Series. It's all about equipping us to be apprentices to Jesus. And the thing about a toolkit is it's something that's actually useful, you know, I've inherited a toolkit which is full of stuff from um, uh, like my granddad and his dad and his dad. And some of those tools, I don't know what they are. There's no slot to put some AA batteries in. Uh, you put a load of WD-40 on it, it still doesn't move or work. You know, this is a toolkit series. These are things that are going to help us to be more effective apprentices and disciples to Jesus, to make his name known in Telford and all around. Amen? Now, what is worship? Well, is there any teachers in the room? Any teachers in the room? Raise your hands. Some confident. When I say worship, if you teach English, what type of word would that be? You know, was it a noun, an adjective? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hannah at the back, what do you think? Yeah. yeah. What is your leaning, though? Come on, there it is. There we go. That's my first point. Don't need to make that. Worship is a verb, it's a doing word. Did it come up on the slide without me saying? No, no. Amazing. Um, Worship is a doing word, it's something that we do. If we think of it like a noun, it can be a little bit like abstract. It's like, oh yeah, we kind of, we meet and we sing and sing songs and it just happens. And then we all sit down, Matt comes and tells some notices and then we pray and we move on. But it's a doing word. It's something that we, we do. It requires us to use something of ourselves in order to worship. So it is a doing word and it's something we are called to do. Uh, God calls us to worship. I'm going to talk a little bit about that later, but... Uh, one of the things that I really like to do, especially when getting into the New Testament, is look a little bit at what the Greek says. Can I have an ooh for what the Greek says? Ooh, indeed. Uh, so, uh, there are two uses uh, most familiar in the New Testament for the word worship. Uh, if you didn't know, uh, a lot of the New Testament, in fact, pretty much all of it, is written in Greek. We don't speak Greek today. Um, the uh, young people at the moment, they're doing a series on love. There are loads of words for love, and we have just one word for love in our language. So it's really helpful, uh, especially when we're looking at what's happening to Paul and Silas in prison now, in this part of Acts, is what kind of worship is it? Because there's all different words in the Greek for worship. And the one they use is humnio. Could we all say humnio together? Three, two, one. It's, it's a bit of a tongue twister. Uh, now, it's, it's to sing praises 
of or sing hymns to God. There's a reason why I've underlined that, and I'll say that in a bit. And there's another word that's often used, not in this passage, uh, but I just wanted to message it, uh, which is proscunio. Can we have a three, two, one proscunio? Three, two, one. There we go. I used to do uh, um, drama workshops, so the idea of there just being silence for 20 minutes just doesn't cut with me. So, so thank you for bearing with and saying silly words after me. Anyway, proscunio, there's a couple of different meanings, but it, it all revolves around intimacy. It all revolves around love. Now, our discipleship to Jesus is a relationship, am I right? It's something that we have to work on. If you have a relationship with someone, whether it's your friend, whether it's a family member, whether it is um, sort of your spouse, whether it's a work colleague, you're not going to get anywhere if you don't spend any time with them. They wouldn't know right from left. You wouldn't know when they're feeling sad, when they're feeling happy, when they're feeling excited, when they're feeling distraught. You just wouldn't know because you're not spending time with them. And one of the things that is so important about worship is it, is it takes time. You know, um, not now, not here in the Minster, but for a long time, churches, you might have a, we stand up for a hymn, sing that hymn. Some people are nodding. It reminds me of assemblies back when I was a little one. You know, we'll stand up, sing a hymn, then we sit down, maybe there'll be a prayer, um, and then we stand up again, and that's great. It, you know, it's, it's all part of a, a gathered sense of worship, not just sung. Like, worship isn't just singing. Uh, what we're doing now, listening to the Bible being preached, that is worship. That is worship. It is giving glory to God. That's what it is. Um, but one of the things that we do here is we like to have like a block of worship, a couple of songs, because I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm still halfway through the first song and I'm thinking about whether I left the oven on. I'm thinking about, oh, did I send that email? Because Matt's going to be really annoyed if I haven't sent that email. Um, or, you know, I'm like, what are we having for tea? Let alone have I left the oven on? Because we get back quite late. What are we going to have a tea? You know, in the first song, we're thinking about all the things that is like hung on us about life. Some of it's really trivial like that. Some of it's really hard stuff, stuff that we've brought through in the door with us. And God wants to know about that. He wants to be a part of our lives. But when we worship, we've got to fix our eyes on Jesus. Fix our eyes on who he is and what he's done, and what he's doing, and what he's going to do in our lives. You see, we don't sing about God, we sing to God. I'm going to say that again. We don't sing about God, we sing to God. We can sometimes think about worshippers opening psalm, I'm in Deuteronomy, rookie error. You know, opening a psalm and just kind of saying, that God, this is what you've done, and we're so amazed that you did that. And that is part of what we do when we worship. We sang it before. This is Jesus. This is what Jesus has done for our lives. This is what he's done to bring us freedom, to lead us into eternal life, to forgive us of our sins. That's amazing. That's what worship is about, but it's also about singing to him. It's a relationship. We look at God square in the eye and we say, I love you. I thank you for what you've done in my life. You are worthy of all our praise. We don't sing about God. We sing to him. And that can look like all sorts of different things. One of the first times that the Holy Spirit comes upon someone in Scripture is in Exodus. You might be familiar with this story. Um, the Holy Spirit comes upon a man named Bezalel in order to build a place of worship. And it says, you, you can go and look at it, it's in Exodus uh, 30, I think, around there. But he, um, he's, he's given power from on high, the Holy Spirit, God's presence with him, in order to build and make things. 
and create a place of worship. And that's why worship is so linked to creativity. Uh, you might not know, but on Sunday mornings, and please do come to them, 10 to 11, we are having worship workshops in this space. And it's exploring all the ways we can worship God because it's not just about singing. Sometimes singing, like what we just did, it really works when you've got a big group of people. Uh, you might have known times when you were in a room full of people all singing praises to God, whether it's the same song or just people singing out in the spirit, and it moves your heart, doesn't it? It's not this kind of thing, oh, yeah, this is all right. Did I leave the oven on? You know, you, you get caught up in the moment. You get caught up in praising God with other people. But, you know, that can be things like singing, like dancing, like writing, like creating things, just like when the Spirit first came on Bezalel in, in Exodus. So it's what we're called to do. It's what we're called to do is to worship God, to give him glory and honor and praise forever and ever. And we're called to do it in all circumstances, which brings us to why we're looking at this passage. There are some amazing passages in the Bible to talk about worship, but I think this one is probably one of the most fun because it can actually happen. This isn't just a made-up story. This actually happens. They were in the inner part of the prison, kept no windows. We're talking Roman prisons. If you were kept in the, in the middle of it, uh, it smells really bad because of how the, the sewage works in that prison. There's no light. It says that they were kept under guard, so they are right there in the midst of it. It probably seems a bit hopeless. It probably seems like singing a couple of kumbayas might not be the right tone. But that's what they did. It says in verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the very foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. You see, we're called to, to worship at all times. Our life is worship, in fact. Um, we're called to it, we're invited into it, and we are created for it. We're created to worship God, created the heavens and the earth and all that is around us out of his overflowing love for, for God, three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And our part in that is that he, he loves us, and this is us showing our love back to him. Is a life of worship, not just singing, remember, a life of worship. You see, we're made in God's image. It says that in Genesis, doesn't it? And the first thing we see God do is create. Creating things, making things. And what does he say? It is good. It is good. When we worship, it is good. It is pleasing to the Lord. He hears our hearts crying out for him and calling out to him and saying all this amazing stuff about who he is and what he's doing, and what he's going to do, and it is pleasing to him, and he loves it. He loves to hear us worship him. And not only do, do we sing to him, he sings back to us. It says in Zephaniah, God sings over us. He, in fact, depending on what translation is, it's like he declares over us with loud singing. I don't think that's going to be particularly in key. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't got there yet to ask him that question. But when I hear loud singing, I think, you know, something pretty guttural. You're not worrying about whether you're in key or doing the third harmony. You're just, you know when you're just so caught up in, in just excitement and you've got to sing? If there's any football or rugby fans, I am a rugby fan. Um, there's something quite beautiful about when you're surrounded by England fans cheering on your team. You know, it feels right to sing in that moment. If we all just said it kind of monotone, swing low, sweet chariots. Sweet chariots, carry me home. 
It's not particularly exciting, is it? Yeah? There's something about when we sing together. Um, but God is singing back over us. He delights over us. And it's in um, Romans 12, there is a, a verse that says that we're, we're called to be living sacrifices. Are you familiar with that verse? Yeah, yeah, a couple of people. It's, it's one that's often, often talked about in terms of worship. I said it before, you know, we're called to be living sacrifices. But the start of that verse actually says why. It's not just, oh, be a living sacrifice, go for it. It says, in view of God's mercy, offer up your lives as a living sacrifice to God. So our lives as worship, it goes beyond just singing three or four songs on a Sunday, maybe singing a couple in the shower or a couple in the car as you drive to work, or um, singing them when your spouse is going to sleep. I've got away with that one not many times. It's often, Harry, could you save that till the morning? <laughs> I want to sleep. Um, but we, yeah, we, we worship in response to who God is. Now, um, Paul and Silas were part of the early church. And one of the things that is really, I think, wonderful to think about when we think about worship and we think about the context from which they are taking this culture of worship directly into a prison is actually what did it look like for the early church to worship? Because there was no CCLI licenses where you could figure out whose song you're singing and how much money they get for it. There was no organs. There was no uh, people who looked like lumberjacks with beards strumming on a guitar. There wasn't any of that in the early church. I like to think there were tambourines. I feel like tambourines are eternal. Everyone loves a tambourine. But what was the early church like in their uh, culture of worship? Well, it was, they were desperate to see God move. If you go a little earlier in Acts, uh, we see uh, Paul, uh, no, not Paul, Peter and John. They're released uh, from going before the council. And uh, the believers pray for boldness and they sing. And a similar thing happens. It says, uh, while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continue to speak the word of God with boldness. When God's people gather together and pray and worship, things change. They were desperate to see God move. So right now in this place of suffering within the inner part of the prison, what do they do? They sing. And not only do they sing, the prisoners around can hear it. Imagine being one of the prisoners. A couple of cells down. You can't tell who it is. Maybe there was a bit of ruckus as they were brought in. You thought, oh, it's probably those people who got flogged in the marketplace. Why are they singing? They must be crazy. But they were all listening. So it wasn't that they were ignoring it. They were listening. There was something about that sound of worship that captured them, captured their hearts. Not only were they desperate to see God move, it was not only spirit-led, but spirit-soaked. In Ephesians 5, uh, 18 to 19, it says this. Um, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. It's an interesting phrase, making melody with your heart. You see, worship isn't just about what we do with our mouth when we sing. I'm a complete advocate for saying there is no one that can sing out of key. You just haven't discovered the key God's called you to sing in yet. Because the key that God is calling you to sing, it comes from here. It doesn't come from here. So it's spirit-soaked, not spirit-led. It's completely in and of the spirit. They sing in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. We know psalms, we know hymns. What spiritual songs? It doesn't involve words on a screen. It just involves 
the complete overflow of your heart in worship, in praise for who God is, just singing out. We've had it at times here um, when sometimes out of worship, just like we did then, we were listening and hearing from God. Sometimes in those moments, you just hear people singing out. Over the summer, we had 13 worship and prayer nights on Wednesday nights, and there were just these incredible moments. Instruments stopped, and you could just hear the room just bubbling with praise, bubbling with people just singing their own private songs. They're never going to write it down and take it to Matt Redman or take it to you know, Chris Tomlin or it's going to be performed by Elevation Worship. It's just a song for that moment there between them and God, and it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's spirit-soaked. And another thing it says about our worship is uh, in Colossians, it says this in uh, verse 316. It says, Let the words of Christ dwell richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. It's, it's similar, isn't it? Paul's repeating himself as he's teaching the church what it looks like when you gather and sing. So how do we worship? Look at verse 20, 25 and 26. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. We sing despite what's going on around us. And this is how I want to kind of finish just today is, um, where do we get this idea of singing from? Perfect time to drop my notes. Hey, We sing uh, because that's what heaven's doing right now. Right now, you, maybe you can hear it. If you can hear it, tell me. Heaven is singing over us right now. It is worshiping and praising. And that's great that the kids are worshiping and praising out there. Can you hear it? Because that's what heaven sounds like. <laughs> heaven is singing over us right now. It's singing over this place. There is a song specifically for Telford where the kingdom is singing, we want we want Telford. We want the kingdom to come in Telford as it is in heaven. Amen. Heaven is singing right now, and we just join in with it. How amazing is that? There's no, um, I guess, rain dance mentality about this. Of Well, if we sing three and a half songs, the spirit will turn up, and we can all fall flat on our faces, have a good bit of time, and then all go back to our tea and biscuits afterwards. No, we're joining in with heaven. There's nothing we can do to make it any more or any less. We're just joining in. Look through Revelations. There's rumors we might be looking at Revelations soon, but that might be a spoiler. But, oh my word, Revelations, it's, um, it's incredible. Not going to go into that now. Um, but we see regularly um, that all the living creatures and the elders, they cast their crowns before him and they sing, Holy, holy, holy are you God who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy are you God for days and days and days. And if you don't like singing, don't worry. By the time you get to heaven, maybe you might have got around that. <laughs> But heaven is, is declaring over us right now. And when we worship, the atmosphere changes. When we worship, the atmosphere changes. Right here in this story, chains are broken. Not only are physically chains broken, all the prisoners, their doors swing open, the chains are broken. Um, spiritual chains are broken. The prison officer is about to kill himself because he can't face what's going to happen when the, the people in charge find out what ha that everyone had got out. And he gets saved as well. Not only does he get saved, him and his whole family get baptized. When we worship, people are set free. Chains are broken on our lives. The things that are holding us back from God, they start to fall away. Worship is a war cry. 
Right now, we're in a building where two of these walls are very good at bouncing the sound back that way. When we sing in here, people are walking outside hearing, one king so worthy. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. We're right in the center of a town where people can hear the worship and praises of God. It's a war cry. It speaks truth to power. Where there is power that is held over us, it speaks truth. It says, nah, this is who God is. This is who God is. This is what the Bible says. And I'm a big advocate for songs that say what the Bible says. You know, and that's a, a real equipping thing for you guys, that when you're like, oh, in the shower, and you, you start singing, One king so worthy. It's a good song. It's, quite, it's, it's reminding you of scripture. It's reminding you of who God is when you're away from here. Because it's not just about when we gather here on a Sunday. It's what we are going out to in the rest of the week. And worship can be the melody, the heart cry over all of our lives. It's a heavenly frequency. Um, if we could go to the last slide, it's quite funny, actually. When we were praying earlier, um, someone had a picture, and it looked an awful lot like this. Um, and there's a couple of giggles going around, because uh, this is, uh, when I try to talk about what worship is, I can't always put it into words, but I can put it into a picture. Just think that that top circle is heaven. It is worshiping. It is singing day and night, night and day. Incense rises before the Lord. Incense, the song of his people, rising before him day and night, night and day. I could keep repeating because that's what it's doing right now. And we start to echo what heaven's doing. And as we start to echo what heaven is doing in the way we sing and the way we use our lives to worship him, those circles get closer and closer and closer together. The overlap grows heaven on earth and we feel it sometimes when we were hearing from God before we hear heaven we hear God speak and that is what it's about when we sing we are joining with heaven's song heaven's song shakes prisons heaven's song shakes foundations heaven's song it shakes off the things that are trying to pull us down, the things that stop us from pursuing a relationship with Jesus, the things that stop us from bringing our whole lives before him. The song of heaven is a frequency that resonates. You know, when you hit something and it rings out, like a tuning fork, it resonates. Resonate means the frequency keeps it going. The sound never stops. We don't sing about God. We sing to him. Our lives are a devotion to him. Could I ask you to stand as we finish? I just think there's something so wonderful about when God speaks. And I just want to create space now for God to speak. So um, let me pray for us. One thing I'm a big believer in is... Um, our outside postures uh, representing our heart. We were just thinking about, you know, worship is a, a heart melody to God. So if you're comfortable, maybe you want to put your hands out in front of you like you're receiving a gift. The fact that we're standing, it's, it's actually a statement in itself, isn't it? It's saying, I'm not going to be passive. I'm going to be active. God, I want to see you move. 
You might want to put your hands out. It's just like you're receiving a gift. There's nothing, no sort of mumbo-jumbo about it. It's simply saying, God, I'm here and I'm open. God sees someone with their arms folded and he goes, okay, just open up to me because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But let's pray and then we're just going to wait and see what God has to say. Lord Jesus, we thank you and we praise you for who you are. Lord, that you are a God who saves. You're a God who shakes the very foundations of power within this town, within this country, within this world. And I pray that as we spend time waiting on your voice now, waiting to hear the sound of heaven start to to shake this very building, Lord, I pray that you will cause our hearts to join in with that eternal song. Holy, holy are you, Lord, God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Thank you for joining us. We hope that it blessed you. For more episodes and teachings, you can subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, even share it on your socials and tag us at Telford Minster. For this and more, head to telfordminster.org.uk.